In this episode of Octal FM, we take a look at some of the controversy surrounding the technology, approaches and implications of mobile phone-based contact tracing. Hello and welcome to the episode of Octal FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And today we're putting on our, our tech hats once again. Yep. Uh, we're we're going to dive into the realm of smart technology, if you can call it that, being used by maybe not so smart people is, is one problem that we're going to deal with in this episode. <laughs> uh, and we're talking about the idea of a contact tracing app. Specifically, this is in light of the most recent uh, COVID-19 outbreak that we're currently experiencing as of time of this episode. Um, so if you're listening to this far into the future, that was a thing that happened. I'm sure that you'll remember. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And we're talking about the ways in which some tech companies and non-technical companies are trying to address this particular issue and maybe make use of some good existing technology. Yeah. And I guess the starting disclaimer is that the stuff that we're talking about is kind of developing at the time of recording. Like we normally shy away from things that are super current mm. and I want to try and keep it to a bit of a meta discussion rather than talking about too much in specifics, although we will be talking about specifics in terms in the context of the UK. And yeah, basically, this kind of started with there's been a story in the media here about how our government and health service, uh, they want to tackle contact tracing with an app. And which is a, a we'll go into a bit more detail about what that is, mm -hmm. but other countries are also doing the same thing. And this is, you know, this is not a unique to us kind of idea, um, but there's been a lot of discussion around the different technical approaches that you can go in order to achieve this. Mm. Uh, and also a lot of like misunderstanding and kind of misinformation about it, um, where people are sort of grouping everything up as tech and then you know, being like, oh, I'm not, I don't understand. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not yeah. going to... Kind of like, shying away from it just because it has tech involved in yeah. it. But the actual core ideal of it is actually a really old idea that has nothing to do with technology. Right, exactly. And it really, like, the real reason why I wanted to talk about this on the podcast, uh, sort of what really highlighted it very strongly for me was I was watching uh, Have I Got News For You, which is mm. like a, I don't know what you call it, like a topical not news like comedy satire kind yeah, of yeah it's um, like a panel satire show. comedy a panel show yeah uh and uh one of the regular hosts on there ian hislop who uh is also the editor of private eye which is also a um, satire a monthly political um, journal magazine it, yeah. political journal yeah uh, and he says he talks about this this app that the nhs are building for tracking you know people with symptoms of of coronavirus and he says uh, that people are concerned about privacy issues and they think that oh no the government is going to know everything about me um, about privacy issues they think oh no um the government's going to know everything about me and the alternative is that you give it to google and the <laughs> other giants who've been so good over the years um about protecting your privacy it, it's essentially who do you trust least this government or the tech giants it's a tough one, but I think we're going to get there. He says, so it's essentially who do you trust least, uh, this government or the tech giants? 
And it's a tough one, but I think we're going to get there. <laughs> and so his his implication there is that you you shouldn't be trusting big tech and you should be trusting the government. And we'll talk about why that's an important distinction, particularly with what we're doing in this country rather than other countries um, as we sort of go on and go yeah. through. But that, but keep that in your mind. That was what kind of like sparked off my, because I, I had a very strong reaction to that because mm. he is very wrong, like in what he's saying, like he's, he doesn't really understand the situation and what the decision actually has been. And he's sort of taking it at a much more standard higher level, which normally I would agree with, which is don't trust big tech. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I would, I would usually agree with that, but in this or situation, big countries, I, governments too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't trust either, but either of them, but you know, he's sort of falling on the side of the government there. So I think it's probably important for us to maybe define what the whole purpose of this is to begin with and what is mm. the app that they're trying to develop what it's trying to achieve and why there is some divergence in the way in which it's being done mm. and some of the problems surrounding it because all of these things kind of matter when talking about the implications of it yeah and i think all of these things matter as well when as a citizen you're making a decision about whether to use this this app and use the services that are be, being provided by your government or not like there is a decision to be made there you know and it's important to be reasonably informed about everything to not necessarily overreact or underreact to well, the situation as well because it's very easy for people to then fall into exactly what has already started to happen as a result of they say the quote you just gave us from the the comedy show of mm. people think it's just a big brother move now you can see yeah. why that line of thinking has cropped mm. up, but that is certainly not the intent. And I guess you could argue yeah. that then you, this is just this first stepping stone into another layer of surveillance, mm. uh, which maybe will never go away. Maybe it won't. Who knows? Like the the whole COVID-19 mm. thing is very complicated. And it's certainly going to be here for a long time, longer than I think people want to yeah. admit. But it doesn't necessarily have to be as sort of 1984 as people think it's going to be either. Mm. But the, the, yeah. the purpose of the app to begin with is what we already we already said that the terminology at the beginning of the episode, which is contact tracing, right? Yeah, and that's not a technical thing specifically. Uh, in fact, a lot of countries have been doing contact tracing and you need to do, to some extent, manual contact tracing without any kind of technology. And that is basically, it's essentially, it's kind of what it sounds like. So if someone gets sick, um, you ask them, okay, tell me all the people you've come into contact with in the last couple of weeks, um, where they live. Uh, and then you go and knock on their door and say, hey, someone you interacted with got sick. Um, I'm going to test you to make sure that you mm -hmm. don't have it. That is a very, I think, I, I don't have a citation for this, but I think it has been proven to be quite effective yeah. uh, at if you can respond quickly and you can mobilize quickly to do that. Obviously, that's a massive undertaking. Um, if you if you imagine literally asking every single person that gets sick uh, that and then going and, and driving out and going yeah. and knocking on everyone's doors like that's a huge undertaking. Uh, the kind of thing that China did very well because yes. they're China. Um, <laughs> and I would imagine that somewhere like Japan would be able to do very well because that is a classic way that they solve things is like people. Yeah, like people just being people more concerned with other people than they are themselves necessarily. And the, the idea of like, it's, it's almost a community driven effort to try and stymie the, mm. the spread of a disease or in this case, a virus, I right. should say, because it requires that level of interaction to then cut off that interaction. 
You know, it's, it's yeah. you know, you're cutting it off before it has a chance to spread further, which if you can manage yeah. to accomplish helps really stop the spread. Yeah, exactly. And we've not really done that. Well, we, we just haven't done no. it in this country at all. Uh, there's lots of countries that have, and there's lots of countries that haven't. It's just a different choice about how you go yeah. about it. There like are the other ways in which people have achieved the similar sort of results, I guess, is that it's a case of whether you have it or not, you're staying inside, which is more of like a carpet yeah. bombing approach to the issue rather than more of a yeah. precision strike approach. And also just like testing as many people yes. as possible um, and, you know, things like that as well. Which has a whole host of other problems related to it as well, of course. Not only other tests yep. maybe not as accurate as they need to be, which comes up later on in this discussion, but also having those tests also then potentially unnecessarily exposes people that weren't sick, but when we were thought they were sick, to becoming sick. Yeah, exactly. So... So that's the sort of concept as a whole. And if you are in any way technical minded, you might start to spot the opportunity, uh, which is that by using technology, we all carry around devices. Uh, and so instead of having to remember who you've come into contact with, why don't our devices communicate mm -hmm. with each other? so that our phones know who we came into contact with. That way, if we get sick, our phone has a little log of everyone we've come into contact with, which can be then used to warn mm -hmm. those people. And you can also, we all get notifications all the time on our phones. So that's a very fast way to notify people. You don't have to go and knock on their yeah. door or send them a letter or try and ring them or contact them in some way. You can you can send them a notification. You can say with reasonable certainty if they've read it um, because you'll you'll get a yeah. response back. You know, if, if it's just something app. simple that will say you came into contact five days ago with this person in this location right. who has now been confirmed positive for the virus. You now need to go into exactly. an isolation state. Exactly. And you can give advice or you can tell the person to go and get tested. You can use that as a as a reason to test someone, you know, to minimize the like the blanket mm -hmm. of just testing everyone. And so and that's what people are working on. That's what um, countries are, are, are building these apps that will do that. They almost all do it via um, Bluetooth, which is the same thing that you use to pair up your headphones with your with your phone. You can use Bluetooth. It's kind of very short range radio signals that can be sent out and then be picked up by another device in yeah. the proximity. And it's important to note that like tracing on its own, you do need the testing as well somewhere, right? It's not good enough to just have people say, oh, I'm sick. And then it sends out a message to everyone saying, someone said that they're sick, please go into isolation. Well, yeah, because within the space of several days, the entire country would be then get notifications saying that yeah. they were potentially sick. It's also sick. massively open to abuse. You know, you do need the testing there. And that's sort of a, a political point, I guess, about, you know, making sure you can do the testing as well. But yeah, so that's that's sort of the, the, the tech side of things. But People are rightly concerned about privacy, first yeah. and foremost. So there are kind of two things that people are thinking about, I guess. One is like, will it work? Mm. Is this actually viable technology? Uh, which is not an unreasonable question because it is reasonably complicated to do. Because one problem with technology like this sometimes is that it gives people a false sense of security right. and often allows people to sort of like relax a little bit too much and maybe stop taking the precautions they were previously taking that was yeah. actually protecting them. Whereas this isn't necessarily designed to do that. It's just designed to help monitor response levels and, mm. and understand outbreak bundles and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah. So so whether it works or not is one thing. And then the other thing is privacy. You know, if my phone is is telling everyone around me who I am, 
and I'm receiving information about who everyone is, then that sounds inherently bad, mm-hmm. right? Like that sounds like something you don't want your phone yeah. to be doing, like without it being pretty certain that, you know, you can't be identified as an individual. Yeah, it needs to be anonymous um, data. It needs to be anonymous, right? So yeah, that's that's kind of, that's the sort of lay of the land. And what has happened is that um, Apple and Google got together And this is where we start to get back to that quote um, from Have I Got News For You. So Apple and Google got together and they said, "Okay, we have an opportunity and a responsibility to assist, you know, governments and and, and country, you know, country authorities Mm -hmm. to build these apps as quickly as possible uh, in a way that is as robust as possible you know, because we're we're the tech experts, right? We yeah. can help make this happen. They pay billions um, of dollars every year to literally the smartest tech experts in the world to develop their stuff. Right. So let's use that for good. So they basically put together um, tools and guidelines for countries and they said, this is how you do contact tracing. If you want to build an app that does contact tracing, here's how you do it. We've given, we've taken away all of the hard stuff. We've taken away all of the privacy issues, all of the anonymity problems, and this is how you do it, right? And if you do it like this, we will make sure that your app is the only app, like it for the country, mm-hmm. um, to reduce the um, the like, watering down effect. You know, people using fragmentation, app, yeah. um, and also like this is something that you can't normally do. So we're giving you the ability to uh, do something that apps cannot normally yeah. do. And, you know, because of the potential risks yeah. around it, um, and we're only offering this for a limited time whilst we're responding to this, um, the crisis, uh, and then it's going to go away. Which in a way, if you think is a good thing, if you can trust Apple and Google, and that's not my point here, but mm. because they effectively have a, you know, a massive monopoly over the smartphone market because yeah. they own the two primary operating systems yeah. that like basically all phones use. So if they decide that no longer this is going to be used because, say, coronavirus or whatever else is going on isn't a problem anymore, they can simply disable this remotely if a a government's decision to carry on using it unnecessarily goes forward. And of course, yeah, there may be a, you know, you could argue um, that maybe they won't turn it off. Uh, That's a reasonable risk. But they've said that they will. They are like... uh, liable for the things that they say in a sense like mm. they, they could be sued for for not doing yeah, it um, you, arguably you, know. you can almost hold these companies more to account than you can your own government weirdly right. potentially um so i don't want to go into like crazy detail about how what apple and google have provided works but there are a couple of things that i want to um talk about mm-hmm. they have made a whole bunch of decisions to maintain privacy so that's one of the core focuses so the app is not allowed to take your location Right. Um, it, it it can't like they will not release the app into the app store if it uses your location at any time um so you cannot tie a user's location at all in the app everything is completely randomized um to make it anonymous and i have looked over the tech specs um it, it does seem decent it's not they're not being stupid or anything i'd be surprised if they were i'm not like a crazy cryptography expert but no. it all sounds sensible uh and basically the way that it works is that if you have been following this story a lot, there's this uh, concept of a centralized approach versus a decentralized approach. And Apple and Google have gone from a, for a decentralized approach. So what that means is that you're, you basically every half an hour or so, your phone generates this new random number uh, and it beams out that random number um, to any other devices that, are also, that also have this one of these apps installed. Mm-hmm. And they change every yeah every half an hour or whatever. Um, and your phone keeps a copy of all of the IDs that it's been using itself. Yeah. And also it maintains 
a list of any IDs that it has come into contact with. Yeah. If you report that you're sick, uh, which they recommend is via a confirmed test result. So, for example, a maybe a unique identifier on a test yeah, result. That only uh, say the QR country's code. medical system has access to generating. Right, exactly. um, so that's down to the country. Apple don't really mind how you do it. You can do it how you want, um, but that's the way that they recommend. Uh, and then if you do, you know, within this app say that you're sick, the most recent random numbers that have been associated with your phone all get sent up to Apple. Okay, just that random list of your IDs. Uh, And then every day or hour or whatever, every phone that has the app installed downloads the complete list of random numbers of people that have 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 said that they're sick. And then your phone compares that with the list of IDs of random numbers that it has seen in the last two weeks. Uh, And then your phone will tell you you've come into contact with someone in the last two weeks yeah. uh, that you has now have the potential to have been infected. But at no point does any other system know if you've come into contact with no. someone that's sick. And it doesn't even need to know that you have necessarily. Your phone may have been sat somewhere on its right. own sort of thing, but it doesn't need to know about that. It just says that this device came into contact with this device and this device's user yep. has been confirmed and that, sick. And that never leaves your phone, right? So the people that you've come into contact with it can never be joined up, essentially. Only your phone knows who you've come into contact with. Uh, so that's what it means by decentralized. So n- the, your your country, your government doesn't know about your movements or anyone else's movements. Um, they only know that someone has reported themselves as sick. And they also yeah. don't know where that person is because there's no location data. Mm-hmm. So that's what they've provided as an app. And they've also said we're going to actually implement this in the operating system. So you're not going to need to download an app. Yeah. You're just going to have a flick switch in your settings that says, you know, enable contact tracing. Yeah. Uh, and and then essentially it'll kind of download the app in the background, essentially. Yeah, effectively sort of it, it, it takes another aspect of potential user error out of the equation. Right. And so that's a really important point, right? Only Apple and Google can integrate these systems so tightly in their operating system mm-hmm. because they're in control of it. Having that level of penetration is really important for something like this to work. Yeah, you can't you do need this. Good numbers. You need good right. amount of data to make this work. So that's what Apple and Google have have done, right? They've made these tools available, and I think that we're starting to see now, as of the time of recording, we're starting to see these apps coming out, um, and you know, around the world, uh, and they they are working towards that re- release of a new OS that actually mm-hmm. integrates it as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's that approach. But we live in a country that's doing things differently. <laughs> yeah, for better or worse. Again, coming back to that quote um, about choosing whether you trust big tech. So that was the big tech um, offering, right? Yeah. What we have done is slightly different. We're not using any of those tools that have been made available. We're just using the standard stuff that that is available for any app, right? Whether it's a game or a... Yeah, like an app yeah. development kit in general. Uh, and what we're doing is the same randomized IDs, but... But the information about who you've come into contact with is also uploaded to the to a centralized place, not yeah. just your own IDs, but also the IDs of everyone that you've come into contact with. Uh, so that means that the government centrally has more information, more kind of metadata and more understanding about, you know, where people, you know, clusters of people getting sick, maybe. Yeah. It asks for the first half of your postcode uh, so that it has 
uh, sort of some kind of regional yeah, rough knowledge. area, yeah, because it knows the the sort of fifty-ish mile radius surrounding that postcode yeah. to work with, rather than the same, right, exactly. the whole country. Yeah. Um, and and so this is basically otherwise everything is the same, right? But that's the difference. And there's a couple of things about that that are important to note. So, firstly, this is really good for the government and the NHS because it means that they can make policy decisions potentially based on localized outbreaks or based on you know rate of um, spread or of infection. You know, it allows them to very quickly potentially respond. Um, to changes in in infection rate, which Apple and Google's approach just doesn't do. Apple and Google have, have designed something that only really helps individuals to yeah. make decisions. It's uh, a bit more passive as well. It is. And there's no way of the government to follow up on those. You know, you can receive a notification from Apple and Google and you can just ignore it. <laughs> Yeah. And it, there's nothing you could do about it. Whereas the NHS one, there's a little bit more, you know, they understand where you are. So there's a bit more benefit of, or they don't understand where you are, but they understand your postcode. Yeah, you um, area, yeah. So they can sort of make different decisions. Um, but there's a few like caveats to this. Number one is obviously that means that, you know, there's more information centralized, which um, is bad for security, even though it's anonymous in inverted commas, you know, random numbers. It can't be truly anonymous because no. if it was truly anonymous, it would be useless for po- making policy decisions. Yes. There has to be some kind of metadata um, in order to, to understand Well, it's certainly that. not going to be that unbelievable to say that these anonymous addresses that are generated however often will then be able to be traced back to a certain device that sent that information in, and that device can then be located via other metadata within the phone. So, right, potentially. Although it's still a stretch, if someone wanted to use that data to identify something about an individual, they could. Even if there isn't, it's just not as anonymous as the, like, it's not as privacy protecting and as secure as Apple and Google's approach, right? And then the other thing is that you can't really do this from a technical point of view. There is a reason why Apple and Google had to make changes and release new versions of their OS and new APIs to allow people to do contact tracing. And Mm. it's because if you cast your mind back to the early days of the iPhone, there were no apps, right? And there were no apps because because battery life. Mm. They were worried that, well, one of the reasons was battery life, because there was this concern that, you know, you have apps, they use up loads of battery, like it's a bad experience for customers. Yeah. Um, so Apple Apple were very, very restrictive. And when, when they first did release apps, apps weren't allowed to even run in the background, right? Every no. time you closed an app, it quit. Quit the app actually itself, yeah. Um, and very, very slowly, you started to get the ability to run stuff in the background. Um, but v- it was very, very limited. It always has been. And mm. it still is, right? Not just, you know, I know people think that Android is more, un- you know, more unlocked, but even on Android, you can't really run stuff in the background. And there's also a lot of customization of what can be run in the background, and you can select what has yeah. access to network it, uh, activity right. in the background and stuff and like that as well. And a lot of manufacturers like Huawei and Samsung, they have like battery performance apps that like kill apps that are running in the yeah. background for more than half an hour and stuff like this. And it's because if you've got like 30 apps installed on your phone and they all want to sit in the background, like checking your Twitter timeline and checking your emails and stuff, you you, you will have no battery. Yeah. Right? Individually, they don't add up to too much, but quickly they all want a little bit extra processing power, right. which takes up more battery life. And that's not even then taking into consideration the physical generation of radio signals to then push that data out into the, exactly. the network. Exactly. So like Apple and Google have intentionally made it hard to do lots of Bluetooth broadcasting in a background app because it drains the battery loads. Mm-hmm. Um, so this app that we've built 
is going against the way that apps are meant to be designed. And they have to use little tricks and and, and workarounds to try and still run in the background yeah. and do stuff regularly. So on a, on an Android phone, you have to have an icon that's always visible, um, you know, in the status bar to indicate that the app's running. But then it drains the battery a lot because it really yeah. is running in the background all the time. Um, on Apple, um, there are like certain things you can send, but you have a very limited amount of time. So there's a question about whether it can send enough information out and receive enough information back reliably. Yeah. And like, it's just, it just. I mean, you're also having to use people's network connections too, which then raises the issue of, well, what happens if someone doesn't necessarily live within a strong connection area yeah. or uh, uh, is it going to use up their data which is a finite amount for people most of the times in terms of how much data they have access to each yeah. month without paying more money you know like in a closed environment of people that all have quite powerful smartphones that all have really good internet connection like in uh, london um you know it's not so much <laughs> a problem but you're blowing this up to a country of 70 million people approximately in the uk mm. Well, most of those people don't have those perfect setups. So this is not necessarily going to be as effective as it needs to be. Yeah. And I guess that's the sort of those two different approaches. I think that people like Ian Hislop is like, well, you should trust the government rather than big tech, because inherently that sort of sounds like a better idea. But it's not just about trust. It's also about just our government making a bad decision. I mean, in terms of the privacy, you should trust Maybe neither of them. But yeah. in terms of the technological capabilities of the apps and the people develop, developing them, who are you going to trust more, the UK government or the largest tech companies in the world? Right. Like, they're clearly going to have a layup when it comes to understanding how to implement right. this, this sort has of been thing. Built, uh, our app has been built by um, VMware, which is not a small uh, not a small company by, by no means. They're, I think... It's like VMware and Dell, maybe I can't remember anyway. But you know, it's they're not they're not they're not Apple and Google. But but yeah, it's not Apple and Google. Like I don't necessarily have like I want to sort of make it clear that I don't necessarily have a strong like a really strong opinion either way. I think mm. the main thing that frustrates me about this that I wanted to raise is that we often spend as a as a society we spend a long time um, berating big tech companies for not helping. Yes. You know, for, for being doing stuff in their own interests. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, being very corporate. And and it's like the one time that they mobilize they and they're actually, like, guys, this is how you do it. Yeah. And then as a country decided that we didn't want to do that. Oh, no, we can do it better. Yeah. We, we know better. Don't yeah. worry. You go away. Yeah. It, and the thing is, is that let's say that you do want to introduce sort of like a more country-specific app created by the NHS, the UK's health service system, where it does sort of do a slightly more... And maybe you can opt into that. Maybe you could say, like, more vulnerable people are recommended to have this app because they will be able to protect them better than the anonymous app one necessarily could. Just at least get what is already available to you for free out into the environment mm. now, rather than kicking heels. I believe they're also now like postponed the apps even potential release until like July. yeah they have they postponed it because you know, and, well and they haven't like, really published why but they trialed it and I think some of the postponing is due to technical issues um, and some of the postponing yeah. is they did put what's funny is that I think we're just going to end up paying essentially for two apps in one because they have they put out a contract to investigate integrating the apple and google apis into the same app so what mm -hmm. they're going to do is just end up building two apps in one thing that do both. i know yeah it just feels like to me and, and maybe i'm wrong but it feels like there's some pretty smart tech person sat 
in the cabinet that decides sort of medical things to do with the UK's policies and goes, oh, no, 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 no. We, we need to trust these guys over here. Not Let's not listen to these people instead, you know. That's what I it also feels think, like. I do think that genuinely they probably believe that it's a better approach, um, having the centralised data and sort of, you know, being able to make, potentially make policy decisions off the back of the information that you collect. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I also sort of think, who are you optimising for? I sort of see Apple and Google's approach, because it's decentralized, it doesn't benefit anyone other than the individual. I, the I see that as itself, they're yeah. optimizing for individuals, right? They're optimizing for their customers, because of course they are. That's that's yes. in their interests. That's their private companies. And the NHS and the and the government have optimized for the government, right? So they, they can they, make different policy decisions. And I guess the question when you're thinking about whether you want to, you know, as a, as a person, if you want to use this app to support what has been done, you know, do you want your government to optimize for you or do you want them to optimize for themselves? Um, and that's mm. sort of, that's kind of a question, you know, that's a reasonable question. You can, you can choose between the two. And I think that there is definitely arguments to be said on both sides of those things, because mm. by the government allowing use of this app, to allow them to better understand how outbreaks are occurring and where what areas are going to be more susceptible, they can then move resources around the country for better testing kits to be available in certain yeah. areas because there is exactly. a limited amount of those 100%. resources. So I don't disagree with it maybe being more looked at and more researched data, but it also then needs to be able to be usable at the same time, which it doesn't seem like it's going yeah. to be. Yeah, agreed. Like if the app is actually ineffective, then no one will use it, in which case it doesn't matter how no. good your centralized information is. If you've only got 10% of what you should, could get, you know, or 10% of, yeah, it's, it's not necessary. It could be bad data, right? What it feels to me, the best solution would be just immediately, like without looking at any more information, is just have introduced the the Apple Google thing straight away, as soon as possible. Get it into some workable app that is NHS, like, uh, what's the word, verified or like supported or whatever. You'll get a lot of people downloading it because they're told to, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then start using that straight away. Then you can use that as a, as a stepping off point. And then I'm sure you could even have it so that it updates to do other things later on down the line as well. And assumedly, Apple and Google are also doing the same sort of thing of trying to incorporate more usability out of this same yeah. thing. But by postponing it longer, it means it's less effective because the more time you have it you're running, the better it's going to be because it gets more data. But also it's becoming less of an issue at the moment because it's slightly dying mm. down and then it's going to raise back up again. You need to strike while mm. the iron's hot. You really do. So this is just going to make the whole app idea less effective in this country yeah. as a whole now. Agreed. And yeah, because I think even with the decentralized approach that sort of really focuses on privacy, you know, you'll still know if people self-identify, you know, if people report that they're sick, you'll still have, you can then collect information from those people, right, about where they are. Like, you'll still yeah. be able to, like, they're not, Apple and Google aren't saying, if someone has a test that that is positive, you also can't know anything about that person. Like, obviously, you need to know something about that person no. because you, you already do anyway. Like, they tested positive. <laughs> At that point, you could argue that the location data then comes from their medical record as opposed exactly. from the app. So right. the app tells them that they could be sick and then they go to their doctor who confirms they're sick and said, right, this person in Greater yeah. London is sick. I'm not really you know? sure why you need the, uh, the sort of information about people's movements, even if they aren't sick. 
even if it's anonymized, I'm not really sure why you need to know no. that. I don't understand why that is truly so much more beneficial that you would discard all the help and assistance that you're being given by tech yeah. companies because yeah. you think that there is something to be gained by having a little bit more information. That that doesn't seem right to me. And not to sort of uh, end on a real doom and gloom and, and conspiracy theory, but you know, at the start of the episode, you, we we talked a little bit about. Um, you know, you mentioned about sort of the kind of like 1984 style thinking of sort of this is the first step, the first big brother step. I think that I, I do think that that is probably, you know, as you say, a little bit of an overreaction. Yeah. Um, but there is a reason why, you know, Apple and tech companies historically have made it very difficult to build apps that interact with people around you. Um, yeah. You know, there are some like dating apps, there's one called Happen, I think, which is like does the same kind of thing. But, you know, it's frowned upon and it's frowned upon because it is a big it is a big step. It is a big yeah. step to uh, yeah, yeah. to support this as a, a from a technical point of view, you know, and there's a reason why Apple and Google have said, like, we're going to at the earliest possible point, we will switch this off and disable mm -hmm. this functionality because I think it is a. I don't know, like there's always, it does seem like a little bit of a, of a, of a risk, you know, if today yeah, it's to, if today it's to protect, to protect against a pandemic, you know, what are the other, once people get used to that and they get used yeah. to being, having their locations more, more monitored, not, not completely in detailed monitoring, mm. but it's still more monitoring than would have already existed. Yeah, there's, there's an open avenue to it being done. Um, you know, once you've got that door opens, yeah, it, I can't help but think it it will become more difficult to close it. And well, it mirrors the the frog in the pan idea right. of like it's just going to have the heat turned up so gradually that you're not going to notice until you're boiling alive. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it seems a shame that we as a country made the decision to sort of go with the slightly creepier route. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like from well, the word uh, no. go. Can, can, can we just maybe just clarify that we didn't, the government did, yeah. and we don't necessarily agree with said government. Yeah, and the sort of, you know, there is a bit of a thing there as well of, of kind of like, you know, what if they did, in, you know, say this was almost a requirement that you had to use this? Mm. You know, what if they put pressure on Apple and Google to force install it on everyone's device? That's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. Like you're not only now forcing on surveillance apps onto people, but you're also forcing them to download proprietary and controlled software mm. onto their personal private machines. Yeah. That is just, that really now is starting to sound like 1984 yeah. to me. And I think we're a way off that, right? Like even, even Apple and Google's own uh, methods is an opt-in. Like you have to, even yes. when they, in, yeah. even when they integrate it into the, into the operating system, there's going to be a flick switch that you have to, it has you know, to turn it on, yeah. not turn it off. Exactly. So, you know, we are still a way off that, but it definitely feels like a step, a step closer. And, you yeah. know, I think that it is really important to not. Um, so don't become complacent with it. We have, yep. you have to ask the questions constantly. Don't, don't become complacent. As you say, it's just the stepping stone and you get people comfortable with it. And then you add a little bit more and a little bit more and sooner or later you're finding yourself in a very different situation. Yeah, agreed. And I think that again, coming back to that point, the system that, that Apple and Google have designed, they, they're sort of demonstrably proving that they can't take it further by the way that it's been designed. 
Like they would yeah. have to change stuff in order for it to go from the very secure, anonymous, decentralized version into something else. Like that would be a, they can't just sort of, it would be very difficult for them to sneak that, th- yeah. for them to sneak that through, you know? And so I think it's sort of like, it, it, that's the, that's my sort of source of frustration is like, they're like proving from a technical point of view, it's like, we, this is how we're doing it so that we can't, even if we wanted to, we're not getting the information. Yeah, we can't be too sneaky about They're this. not really asking and even you if to they trust tried them. to be, even if they tried to be, there are so many like techie snoops out there that are pouring over data like this yeah. and going, hang on a second, what the hell is that in this app? Exactly. You know, so, and I feel like that would then blow up in their face so much that it probably just isn't worth it to and them. The, or is through a government? Maybe it and is. And the other I thing is know. that the gov- our government is asking us to trust them. That's the difference. Yeah. Apple and Google aren't really <laughs> asking us to trust them. They're, They're s- saying, this is a useful app. You don't need to trust us because it can't do anything exactly. that's necessarily... Here's, here's yeah, how whereas, we've made it so that there's you don't really need to trust us very much for this, apart from if they're hiding something. But again, like you say, this well, is obviously being very scrutinised. Um, whereas the NHS And at one, that point, you then fall down the same hole of, well, who can you trust yeah, ever? Exactly. And then you start falling down conspiracy theories. Right. And I think there is a limit to levels of of uh, conspiracy that you can willingly accept without starting to maybe go a bit too crazy about yeah, it. Exactly. But yeah, that was... Uh, sort of a bit of a a technical dive into into what's going on i think what'll be good is when this app whatever it ends up being does fully release and there is more development on it we should maybe do another episode or a soundbite on just reporting on it how it's come about mm. what its development's been like etc yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the uk government ends up going what route they end up going down yeah it'll be interesting if you know after recording if they change their minds or whether they don't or not for sure. But I'm sure many people probably disagree with us. I'm sure many people have been shouting at their Maybe. their car speakers or their headphones or whatever, wherever they're listening to right now, going, no, I absolutely intrinsically trust my government and they only have the best outlook for me. Um, or maybe the opposite. Maybe, you know, you wear your tinfoil hat and you'll never allow your phone to connect to the internet to allow this to happen. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but either way, I do genuinely want to know what people's opinions are on the matter mm. because it is a bit divisive. So it could really generate a good discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Please do let us know. Uh, you can email us, show at octal.fm, or you can tweet us at octal.fm on Twitter or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash octal.fm. All the uh, social networks, the, all the <laughs> privacy protecting social networks right there. Oh, they're so, that way you do it. They're so secure. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, yeah this has been this has been fun good discussion yeah Um, sure and uh, in the meantime I've been Gelada and I've been Severin and catch us again for another episode of Oxal FM very soon make sure to add me on the NHS buddy list right so when we pass each other we, we get like a little reward Wow, that's a whole kettle of worms. No. Like, I, I realised I just ma- mangled two <laughs> sayings together there. But... <laughs>